You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. In three, two, one. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson coming to you on this December 26th, this Tuesday, this day after the Christmas holiday. The Christmas holiday, one known as a season of joy, a season of happiness. But December 26th, we can all comfortably get back to being mad online. And oh man, there's so many people mad online about the Hornets, about KD fouling LeBron James, or maybe not fouling LeBron James, uh, according to who you talk to. Uh, and of course, people mad online, Hornets fans mad online about uh, Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk being assigned to the G League. Oh man, you know we got to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a little later. Plus, this uh, home and home against the Milwaukee Bucks will break break down uh, what you need to know and what it means. We'll get to that in just a few moments as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast, just search Locked on Hornets. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. Visit framewarehouse.net to find one of their locations in Charlotte. This is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed. Maybe you got a gift underneath the Christmas tree uh, that needs to get up on your wall. Whether it's a holiday gift, a home decoration, or something for your bonus room, now is the time to get your framing done and get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years, and they have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. Sports memorabilia, posters for your office, office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys, they'll frame anything. Best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy, and I don't know about you, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process and turn your projects around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a Go Hornets, Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Lot to get to on this show. Want to quickly uh, discuss something that was aggravating me on uh, the Christmas Day games. A lot of great action there. A lot of uh, you had a lot of underdog wins. You had Washington upsetting the Boston Celtics, who the Hornets will see tomorrow night here in Charlotte. You had the Sixers getting a slight upset over the New York Knicks. The Sixers have slid back a little bit, but finally got things moving back in the right direction. Got Embiid back in a uniform. You had Oklahoma City. 
Uh, Carmelo Anthony stepping up in a big way, getting his scoring going. Russell Westbrook, 31-11. and 11. Oklahoma City takes down Houston. And then you had, uh, you, well, one upset you didn't have was Minnesota over the Los Angeles Lakers, 121-104, despite 31 points from Kyle Kuzma. My goodness, he has been a good rookie for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but one upset you didn't have as well, Golden State, 99 Cleveland 92. Fantastic game from both of these teams. No Steph Curry in this one, so you knew it was going to come down to Kevin Durant versus LeBron James and that final that final crucial possession between uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James where Kevin seemingly blocking LeBron James no, or seemingly maybe making a little bit more contact than people were comfortable with. No call from the officials. What aggravated me about it was how vehement uh, the the criticism was not from Cavs fans. That's that's to be expected. Cavs fans are going to be upset because they lost the game, and they're going to be upset because it's Golden State, because it's Kevin Durant, because you know they they wanted the win on Christmas Day, and they felt like their star player was not given the respect, the foul that he deserved. That's to be expected. What the criticism that I didn't like was from Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson on the sideline. Because there's a, there's always a double standard with, I think, former coaches, but also these guys that come from the old school, right? When, when there's a foul at the end of the game that decides a game, then they, they want the players to decide the game, right? They want the refs, swallow your whistles, let the players play. This league has become soft. There's not enough con- – you know, in my day when Mark Jackson played, then, uh, you know, they, 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 that would not have been a foul. And then when you have this situation where there should have there you know they, in their opinion there should have been a call then then suddenly oh no we need to go to replay to to determine block block charge calls what you want to you want to extend the game further by using replay to determine these judgment calls these block charge calls no way no way i i don't think that's a good idea at all and, and I don't think that, that replay determining that game would have made that game an overall better experience. So all, all respect to Jeff Van Gundy. I just disagree with him vehemently on, on that. I, I think that those are judgment calls and they cause a little bit of debate. And I don't understand these old school guys, though, who look at that play and think there should have been a foul. To me, that was you, you have two star players going one on one, unless unless Kevin Durant would have you know put LeBron James into a straitjacket, you let them play basketball. That to me, that's all that was. Two guys playing basketball. There was a little bit of contact. I thought you could make an argument that LeBron James initiated that contact. You let the players play, and I'm surprised. What surprises me, what aggravates me a little bit, is when these old school guys want to foul in that situation. Unbelievable. All right, enough about national basketball. Let's refocus this back onto the Hornets. Two important games uh, for the Bugs. I want to step back even further. I want to go back to Thursday. because, And I also want to apologize for my voice. Still working on getting healthy. Still working on getting these vocal cords back where they need to be. Uh, We had Rick Bennell on last week. He's the beat writer on the Charlotte Hornets for the Charlotte Observer. And he said the loss to the Raptors reminded him of the 7-59 Bobcat season. I called it a knockout blow. 
Not a lot I thought the Hornets could have done to further disappoint, but that first game against the Bucks came close. Dwight Howard dislocates his left ring finger just a few minutes into the game. That should have served as an early omen. Uh, Johnny O'Brien replaces him. First shot. Shot went up every time. Johnny O shots. Five attempts in seven minutes in the quarter. In the first quarter. Hornets lead 59 to 52 at the half. I thought good individual shot making by Kemba Walker, Nick Batum, and Frank Kaminsky made up for the fact that the offense in this game, in the entire game, despite having Kaminsky at the five, going small, playing Monk for a few minutes, they couldn't really space the Bucks out. There wasn't really a lot of moving the basketball fluidly. Everything was difficult in this game offensively for the Charlotte Hornets. They weren't finding cutters. They were relying more on isolation. They were relying more on uh, maybe one maybe one pick, but, but driving, and sometimes no picks. MK, a lot of MKG sort of driving on his own towards the rim, looking for a foul. But those things, finding cutters, moving the basketball, spacing it out, those are things that made them successful against the New York Knicks several games back. Didn't do it in this game. And, and the only reason I feel like that they weren't blown out of this game by the Milwaukee Bucks is because, again, you had Kimball Walker very efficient from the field, 32 points, uh, nearly uh, 62% from the field. Nick Batum finally making some shots. Again, shooting covers up a lot of sins. And the sin in this game was that they really couldn't, they weren't dedicated to moving the basketball. So the Hornets and Bucks, they exchanged runs in the third. Things tied in the fourth quarter, all knotted up at 97 with four minutes to play. And look who it is, Nick Batum. He was no one-shot attempt Batum here. He was aggressive all night, looking for his post up, looking for his jump shot. He pulled up from the deep, deep, stroked a three. That felt like the death blow. Like when I was watching it in an emotional back and forth game, that felt like the backbreaker to me. But nothing could be that easy for the Hornets because several plays later, in a game you've already lost to White Howard, Kimball Walker crosses up his defender, tries to find a seam in the defense, gets tripped up, loses his balance, head slams against the floor. I looked at the replay. It looked really bad. I was thinking concussion. I'm sure you were as well. Struggled to get up. It felt like we were watching in this game how Kimba was getting his groove back. And then he gets struck down. To lose Kimba and Dwight in one game pretty kind of wraps up this Hornet season in a bow. Circumstance, misfortune, injuries. It's been a tough season for the Hornets. So the Bucks go on a 9-0 run to end the game. And you hate to say excusable, but you could tell the Hornets were deflated after that. And the Bucks took advantage. Hornets lose 109 to 104. So then let's go to Saturday's matchup back in Charlotte. I didn't have much hope for the Hornets in this one. I was thinking the worst. I'm sure you were as well. You weren't alone. Silas said he thought it could have been months on Dwight's finger. Who knows with Kemba Walker. Instead, Kemba got cleared. Dwight got cleared. They both warm up and they both play. And Dwight, 21 and 16 in this one after again, it looked like a severe dislocation in that first game. He, he like balled his hand up in a fist after he dislocated it and then released his hand and his ring finger just wouldn't, it wouldn't even go back. It was disgusting. But he had a splint put on it, and he plays in this game, and he played fantastically, especially down the stretch. It seems like he always struggles in the first quarter getting his offense going, whether it's taking some ill-advised jump shots or some post-up opportunities that go begging. 
But in the games that he's truly successful are the games that in the second half, the Hornets continue to stick with him. And, and he has either gotten the opposing center in foul trouble or has worn that center down. And that seemed to be what was going on uh, with the Bucks in this one, who, to be fair, were without Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that was, that was an adjustment for the Bucks, but also an adjustment for the Hornets, who thought he was going to play. But the Hornets get great contributions uh, from Kimba, who wasn't, uh, wasn't as efficient as he was in that first matchup, 5 of 15 from the field, but 19 points, 8 assists in this one, only 2 in that first matchup. And then again, 21 points, 16 rebounds. But the guy that, that I thought was key too was Marvin Williams getting two free throws down the stretch of this one that were, were key in keeping them, uh, keeping them afloat. Only four points in this one, but he did it after jamming his finger up pretty severely. Everybody hurting their fingers. But he stays in the game, he hits the free throws, and then uh, shortly after that went back to the locker room, so we'll get an update on him. Also key, Trevion Graham. 14 points off the bench, 5 of 8 shooting, 4 of 5 from beyond the arc. Trevion Graham has worked a ton on his shooting with uh, shooting coach Bruce Kretzer. It was something that was always pointed out by Steve Clifford. Trevion Graham has has to develop a three-point shot to be somebody that you can rely on. And he gets 28 minutes in this game. He was the Hornets' sixth man. And he was somebody that uh, several players and Silas pointed to as a key for them to get back in a third quarter uh, that that looked lost. Uh, the the Bucks started the third quarter on a 19 to two run to go up 18. The Hornets were were afloat, and Trevion Graham came in and gave them tough defense and three point shooting, three and D. Only 21 three point attempts for the Hornets in this one, 43 percent from beyond the arc, so an efficient night, but not a lot of threes. But where would they have been without Trevion Graham? So Graham definitely gets my my player of the game. He was aggressive, looking for a shot, knocking down a shot, getting in the corner. Always good to see Trevion playing well. So the Hornets get the win. I don't know that it means all that much. Uh, sends them to 12 and 21. They've still got a lot of work to do. No Giannis. So they continue to uh, rack up wins against Eastern Conference teams missing their best player. I mean, at some point, they have to prove they can win a close game against a team that, that has their deck fully stacked. Until they do that, I mean, this was, look, they gutted this one out. They needed this win desperately. They still want to win. That's pretty clear. They haven't given up. They don't like being booed at home. Dwight Howard saying after the game that the boos, they heard those. They heard your boos. And... They tried to use it as fuel to get this to get this thing moving in the right direction. But the Hornets got beat on the boards. They got beat in fast break. And they turned the ball over too much. Still won the basketball game. A combination of Travion's three-point shooting and also 40 attempts from the line. So you get 30 points from the line. That's always going to be beneficial for the Hornets. But it's not sustainable. Mid-range shooting, not sustainable. The Bucks fouled a ton in this game. Would they have done that with Giannis in the lineup? How many blocks would Giannis have had in this one? Malik Monk, after playing nine minutes in the in the first matchup against Milwaukee, goes back down to one uh, 145. Although, 
you could see the the rotation getting extended a little bit. You had Trey playing 28 minutes, Kaminsky 22, Michael Carter-Williams 14, Jeremy Lamb 18, Johnny O'Brien getting eight minutes in this one despite Dwight Howard playing 32. A lot of that had to do with Milwaukee going small. Some of that had to do with the fact that they were on the second night of a back-to-back, but, all, but interesting nonetheless. All right, so now the Hornets look ahead to Boston. And Boston's not been playing well, not been playing as well as they were when they you know, were on that extremely hot start to begin the season. Wednesday, we will have a full preview of that one for you. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f- Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just having to deal with an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, Sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, That was understandable. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, Christmas, a time of joy. The day after Christmas, we can all get back to being mad online. And there certainly are are people that are upset online with the Charlotte Hornets, with the way this season has been going. But there are some that are going to voice their displeasure every time the Hornets win a basketball game from now until the end of the season. Because those people have an agenda, a desire for the Hornets to lose and, and improve their draft stock. So I wanted to take a moment to tell you how this show will approach whatever comes next for the Charlotte Hornets because I want to be open and honest with you, the listener, the watcher, about how we're going to operate in this. These are uncharted waters for the Charlotte Hornets, a team that wants to win, that can't, and isn't winning. So first... You're never going to hear us celebrate a loss for the sake of draft positioning. That's never going to be a thing that we that we talk about, that we reference. At least you're never going to hear me do that. And you'll hear me push back if anyone tries to do it on this show. Reason being, I'm a competitor. I don't like to lose at anything. And I don't like to watch something built to lose. I certainly won't celebrate it on this show as if it's some kind of accomplishment as if, as if charging fans to come to Spectrum Center the same money to watch an inferior product is some kind of grand virtue. And I don't think that's what they're doing right now. I think they're putting the best product, the, the product that they thought could win, and it just isn't winning right now. But if someday it, it gets to that point, you're not going to hear us celebrating the loss. I'm also a realist, though. I understand the ebbs and flows of all franchises. The Lakers eventually had to be bad. The Cavs will be bad again once LeBron leaves. Notice how I didn't say if LeBron leaves. As hard as it is to believe, one day the San Antonio Spurs will be bad. Like these these things ebb and they flow. They happen. Teams eventually have to come to terms with the fact that they are that, that, that the experiment didn't work. You're seeing that with Atlanta. You're seeing that with Chicago. So my promise to you is that we'll be honest when things truly get bad. Easy to think that what the Hornets are going through right now is bad. But in reality, what this is, is a team with, with enough talent 
to compete. Severely underperforming expectations. This is, it's some circumstance. Some of it has to do with a lack of sort of overwhelming talent. They don't have that. They've also had a lot of misfortune and they've had some missteps along the way, all converging to produce losses uh, that I know that fans are, are not happy with. But this isn't losing in the same way that Atlanta, the Dallas, the Chicago, what those franchises are going through. That's bad. That's when a team is bad. The Hornets are underperforming, but they are not inherently bad. When it does eventually get bad, we're going to be honest about what we see. We'll be honest about why it's happening, and we'll examine what's on the floor at present and discuss what the future could look like, but we're, we're not going to celebrate losses. We won't say, you won't hear us say something like, the Hornets should have done X or Y so that they could lose another game. The NBA is de-incentivizing losing for the sake of losing. It, wouldn't, it would not help the franchise to, to do that. They're just going to be at the mercy of, of luck, of fortune, which if you've been following this thing for a while has not exactly worked out in their favor. And to the larger point, the city of Charlotte won't support a loser. There's a legitimate question as to whether or not they would support a playoff basketball winner. It's an experiment that has not happened yet. We haven't been able to test that theory. The front office has put their efforts towards putting a playoff winning basketball team on the floor. That's been their desire. It just has has not come to fruition. Now, let me just say this. You, dear listener, of course, are free to cheer for whatever you want. Have whatever kind of expectations you choose. If you want the team to lose, you want the team to lose. I'm not, I'm not trying to lecture you on, on how you should feel, on how you should be a fan. But I listened to sports radio when the Bobcats hit the skid, 7 and 59. It was not fun. It was cynical. It was nasty. And there wasn't a lot of passion in the voices of those that were talking about the team. They didn't care. We care. That's the difference. Things eventually will get bad in Charlotte professional basketball, but we're going to keep our passion for good basketball, and we hope you'll hear it when you listen. This is Locked on Hornets. And which, what, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Sh- shards? No, I would not have. That's not Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Hornets have assigned rookies Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon to their G League affiliate, the Greensboro Swarm. This is the first G League assignment for either player. Monk and Bacon had both fallen out of the rotation due to a combination of the Hornets getting healthy They were becoming more reliant on veterans who knew the system in order to pick them up out of a nasty slide of losses that they're still kind of going through right now. And some of the deeper players in the Hornets rotation are and were outplaying them. Trevion Graham, four or five from beyond the arc and providing defense. You got to play him over Dwayne Bacon. You got to play him over Malik Monk if you want to win basketball games. Oh, I got that caveat in there because I know some of you listening are going, no, you don't have to play him. You don't have to play Nick Batum. You don't have to play Jeremy Lamb. Play Malik Monk. 
This team wants to win basketball games. That's the difference. Monk and Bacon were both struggling to find a groove offensively, and Malik's Monk struggles on the defensive end of the floor are well documented on this show. One of the goals of this year's draft was to help add scoring depth. They simply haven't been able to do that effectively enough to justify giving them minutes over guys like Graham at this point or trusting them to replace some of Nick Batum's extended time with the second unit. That looks more and more like it's going to go to Graham if it goes to anyone. The question I'm sure that some of you have is what does this move mean? Some of you are very mad online about this. Why would you send these two extremely talented rookies to Greensboro? when you could play them now, help them develop now. I think it's the clearest signal yet that this team is still focused on pulling themselves out of the hole they've gotten themselves into and have not given up on playoff hopes and dreams. Whether you like that or not. What does this mean for Monk and Bacon? You certainly wouldn't qualify this as an entirely positive move. The organization was capped, strapped in the offseason, if you remember, and the moves they had to make to add depth were limited. They needed the draft to help add some of that scoring depth. They didn't need Malik Monk or Bacon to be major contributors necessarily. This was a team full of veterans. That was the situation. This was a team with a lot of rotation positions solidified. But I think they expected one, if not both, to contribute off the bench. With the injuries to Nick Batum and the absence of MKG, both players had an opportunity to come in early and you know, basically take a rotation position. Other rookies this season have been able to do that. Bacon was able to do that for a while before his offense completely went away. So Monk would be the highest drafted rookie to see G League time this season if he does indeed get on the court uh, tonight for the Greensboro Swarm. Luke Kennard played in one game for Detroit's G League affiliate. So not an entirely positive move for either player, but at the same time, I don't think you could qualify this as an entirely negative move either. This was, this was the idea behind having a G League team. This was an outlet that you could send young players to to help their development that you could control. You could get them some playing time on one or two nights in the middle of a season when they were not big rotation contributors. They did send uh, Noah Vonley to the then D-League in his rookie season where he played in two games, but again, they didn't control that team. It was a Fort Wayne Mad Ants, I believe. But I see the frustration online. I see the anger with this decision. You want the rookies and you want them now. You want to see the future immediately. Maybe some of you want to be the Phoenix Suns, the Chicago Bulls, the Atlanta Hawks, and just... Just go for it. You want to see Malik Monk scoring 20 on 20 shots, or maybe you want to read about it because it won't be great basketball. But that's simply, I'm just telling you what, what the reality is, is that's not where the Hornets franchise is right now. They want both of these players to get better. That's why they're sending them to the G League, to get them some run, to get them some playing time. This is more than likely a temporary assignment. This is not a permanent, this is not like sending a guy to the minors or he's going to be there for, you know, in baseball, or he's going to be there for weeks. More than likely, they go down to Greensboro, they play a game, they come back up for the, for the Celtics game. The Hornets can't, with all these injuries, they have none now, but it's seemingly every game, 
they're facing a depth issue. They can't really afford to keep these guys at Greensboro. They can't really afford to keep these guys in Greensboro for an extended amount of time. I don't believe this is really any indicator on their future. We love to write rookies off immediately and then tell everybody, you know, I told you so. When Chris Dunn starts to show out, you know, we write them off. We say, oh, these guys are garbage. They're trash in their rookie season. And then two, three seasons down the line, they, they figure some things out. They get in the right situation. Rotations change. Teams change. Players leave. They, they start to play with complimentary pieces, and then suddenly Chris Dunn's amazing, and we all wanted to be like, of course Chris Dunn's amazing. I told you that when he was drafted. Also, I think we're going to see a lot of first-rounders in the future getting G League time. This is a reflection both of the situation the Hornets are in. They're full of veterans. They want to win now. They want to get out of this losing streak. And where Monk and Bacon are. They're struggling to get their footing early on. There's no doubt about that. And they need playing time. Hasn't been a lot of practice time for the Hornets lately. They need playing time. So they'll get it in Greensboro, maybe. We'll see tonight. And then we'll see if they travel back with the team. There's been a lot of, you've seen it with uh, Mangum Mathieng. There's been a lot of recalls. You know, sending them down, calling them up, sending them down, calling them up. It's 90 miles between Charlotte and Greensboro. Makes it easy. All right, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That'll do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We want to hear from you. Tweet us your questions. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. David will rejoin me. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.